this Wednesday night in between Christmas and New Year's. The, the week that's in limbo all the time. <laughs> so let's praise him for all the things that he's done this year. Just think back on all the wonderful things that God has done in your life. How he's brought you through. How he's, how's he delivered you maybe from things. Or maybe you've just had a blessed year. Let's look back on all those things. Over all his land, even mountains obey his command. For he is awesome and powerful. Spoke to the dark, he called every star into place. In his voice, every symphony played. The dawn of the
Greater than all 
his head higher He lifted up He lifted higher We lift you up We lift you higher Your name is life Your name is hope inside me Hope inside me Your name is love A love that always finds me Always finds me Your name is life Your name is hope inside me Hope inside me Your name is love Oh, love that always finds me, you always find me. Be lifted up, be lifted higher, be lifted up, be lifted higher. He lifted higher. He lifted up. He lifted higher. He lifted up. We lift you higher, Lord. We lift you. We lift you higher And the praise is yours And the praise is yours You're the one we bow before Reigning over us As we lift you up Reign forevermore And the praise is yours And the praise is yours You're the one we bow before Reigning over us As we lift you up You will reign forevermore around your throne who can know you Lord so high above yet slain for us you alone worthy it all revolves around your know your glory 
so high above It's slain for us You alone And the praise is yours And the praise is yours You're the one we bow before Reigning over us as we lift you up, you will reign forevermore. The one who was and is to come, God of heaven, forever crowned, exalted now. And the praise is yours You're the one we bow before Reigning over us As we lift you up You reign forevermore Glory and praise Power and strength Worthy is the Lamb of God, hallelujah. Glory and praise, power and strength. Worthy is the Lamb of God, hallelujah. Oh, glory and praise, power and strength. Worthy is the Lamb of God. Hallelujah, oh, and hallelujah, Lord, it's the Lamb of God, hallelujah, oh, and hallelujah, worthy is the Lamb of God.
reigning over us as we lift you up you will reign forevermore Father you reign forevermore forevermore Father you reign from now until eternity there is no end there is no end to your reign there's no one that's going to come after you there's no one that's going to overthrow you there's been none before you and there will be none after you. Yeah. So, Father, we give you our all. For you're worthy of it. You're worthy of it. Simply because you are God. The one who is and is to come forevermore. And all the joy that I found. Surrendering my cries at the feet of King, who surrendered everything. Oh, the peace that comes when I'm broken. By your own fair grace, I can lift my voice and say, You can have it all, Lord. Every part of my world, take this life and heart that is now yours cause you can have it all Lord oh, every part of my world will take this life and breathe on this heart that is now Every part of my world Take this life and breathe on This heart that is now yours You can have it all, Lord Every part of my Take this life and breathe on This heart that is now yours Father, everything that we have is yours Everything that we are is yours Everything that, all of our hopes, all of our dreams are yours. Have your way in our life. 
We ask of nothing else. Have your way. What better place to be than in your will, Father? So everything we have is yours. What better place than to just be in your will? To be walking where you want us to walk. To be doing what you wanted us to do.
my heart is now yours. My heart is now yours. My heart is now yours. All of me is yours. All of me is yours. All of me, all of me is yours. Every part of who I am is yours. My heart and my soul, my mind and my strength is yours. My hopes and my dreams, my life is now yours. Cause you can have it all. Every part of my world, I hold nothing back. We'll take this life and breathe on this heart that is now yours. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the privilege of coming together tonight. Praise God. Good to see you tonight. Glad you're here. Everyone survive Christmas. 
Need a week to recoup? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Understand that. Amen. Well, I just I just like the way God works. I mean, that last song talked about surrender, and and uh, Justin had no idea that's exactly what I was talking about tonight. In fact, I had something else, and all night long and this morning it just just didn't set right with me and so this afternoon I just began to sit down and say Lord show me something just simple from your word that you that you're saying to us to prepare us for the time that's coming and so the message tonight is simply the secret of surrender and I usually don't like to use the word secret but in this case it's it's simply it simply means the unknown the unknown factor that so many people don't know. Um, William Booth, the founder of Salvation Army, said, the greatness of man's power lies in the measure of his surrender. Now, that's just the opposite of what the world thinks. The world is like, you know, your power comes from everything you can grab, everything you can get a hold of, everything, every step you can make, you know, to promote yourself. But he says, the greatness of a man's power lies in the measure of his surrender. Uh, many, I think many professing Christians today say they want more of God in their lives. I, I hear it. It's, a con, it's almost like become a mantra, more Lord, more Lord, more Lord, more Lord. But many of them who say that fail to understand that that statement requires something on their part. Um, the culture today is, that, is, is an I want it culture uh, with an attitude of I deserve it. Yeah. Um, somebody sent me, um, I think it was today, earlier today, it might have been yesterday, but statements that were made in 1957 that were in a local newspaper about what the future holds. And uh, I sent it to a friend of mine, uh, a retired pastor, and he wrote back, he said, if they had only known the truth of what they were saying there. And um, uh, w the culture as a whole today is I want it, but I don't want to have to invest anything to have it. Yeah. Um, but so the old adage of, that my, my parents used to always tell me, my grandparents used to always tell me, anything worth having is worth working for um, uh, or putting forth effort. Um, to, and so to, in that regard, to receive more, for us to say more Lord, God expects us to realize that it's going to cost more. Right. And, 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 and that's where you get into the grace thing, you know. Oh, no, God, he's provided everything. For, yes, he has. But he says, to whom much is given, much is required. And so we have to understand that. And, and um, I, read, I read a quote just recently that said, said this, and I've heard it before, but I've forgotten it. And it said, um, I, I, somebody had written me and said, um, a lot of people just want to play safe. They want it. They want to be. They want it, but they want it. They want to play safe. And 
And then I was reminded of the saying that says, playing it safe is just playing. And playing is not serious, right? Matthew 13, 44 is the one verse we're going to look at today, uh, tonight. And it says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Uh, parables, Jesus used parables to reveal or conceal truths. In fact, Jesus never spoke in parables until the Jewish um, leaders rejected him, rejected his message, rejected him as Messiah. And so then he began to speak to him in parables, and the disciples came to him and go, why have you started teaching like this? Because up until that time, all the people said, We've never heard teaching like this before. It was powerful. It was understandable. It wasn't cloak and dagger kind of stuff, you know. It was just simple, plain down to earth. But once the leadership had rejected him, he began to speak in parables. And the disciples would come to him and go, we don't understand what you're talking about. People are asking. I imagine they're probably going, people are going, what did, what did he mean? What did your master mean? And they're going, Oh, you know, that was probably some deep thing, you know, and they're like, they have no clue either. You know, so they went to Jesus. It says on several occasions, they would go, what are you saying? Why are you talking like this? And Jesus would explain it to him. He says, I've, I've, I've spoken parables so that they might not understand. He said, so, but let me break it down for you and, and show it to you. And so this parable is, is, is in a chapter that has three different parables. Uh, in verse 36, it was the parable of the weeds. Remember, he talked about the wheat was sown and somebody, the enemy at night goes out and sows tares or weeds and they come up together. And then uh, in, in verse 47, it begins with a parable about the net. He says the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is like. So in all three cases, he's, he's talking about the kingdom of God. And so the parable reveals that if we want to walk with those who long to give themselves fully to God on a consistent basis, it will require full surrender. The measure of our power, the measure of our greatness, if I could put it that way, in God, our ability in God is in direct proportion to our measure of surrender. And so, um, so what, what's so hard about complete surrender? Because we, we just sang it, you know, you know, Lord, I just I surrender everything to you. I give you my all. I give everything to you. And it's not God forcing us to give it up. It's us willingly wanting to come and do that. So why is full surrender so frightening? Why is it so scary? Um, I had a guy one time tell me, he says, and, and I heard him say this, and I confronted him after it, and I was a young Christian, but I knew something about it didn't sit right. And he said, Lord, I give you everything, but don't ask me to do a specific thing. And, and I went to him and I said, then how can you ask God, how can you say you give God everything and that God, you'll do anything, but don't ask me to do this. I said, you're putting an exclusion clause in your surrender. <laughs> and, and it's like, if you picture, picture a, an enemy in battle saying we surrender, but this one thing we insist on. 
No, when you surrender, you surrender, and, and you're not the one dictating terms, right? So why is full surrender to God so frightening for some people? Um, or what does it involve? And, and so from the scripture we just read, one thing, it, it requires to me an exciting revelation. I could say a simple, I could just say a revelation. But I've seen people who go, ah. In other words, they get it. It's an aha moment, but nothing comes from it. Whereas other people who see it and get it and go, oh. And their lives are just changed. I mean, they're just so impacted by it. So that's why I put exciting on that. Maybe you could think of a better word. I don't know. Uh, I was, but but here's, the script, here's the scripture. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. I read just last week about a person who had gone to a thrift store and they saw a uh, um, piece of glassware and they knew a little bit about stuff like that, but they had a suspicion this was something more than what they thought or the thrift stores thought because they had it marked it now for $2. They bought it, went and had it appraised, $50,000. Don't you think that that person, when the appraisal came in at $50,000, do you think that they went, oh, wow. No, I think they just... <laughs> You know, I mean, come on, really. I mean, you know, you know, they were probably like, ah! right? I mean, that was an exciting revelation, okay? So it says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. The man's heart was stirred with excitement. Why? Because he found a priceless discovery, okay? It was a hidden treasure. It wasn't out in the open. It was a hidden treasure treasure. I, I've loved treasure hunts ever since I was a kid. I used to watch, car, uh, not cartoons, but little kid shows and stuff. And um, I remember when I lived in New Hampshire, I'd get all the kids in the neighborhood together, and I'd get one of the parents on the block to go bury a treasure somewhere, and they would make us a map. And we were kind of like Spanky in the gang. I mean, the little rascals. And, and, and that's where I got the idea. And we'd all go out to the woods. We were following this treasure map and trying to find X marks the spot. And, and every Saturday, man, I'd get like 18, 15, 18 kids in the neighborhood. And we'd be out there and, be, you know, somebody had buried a treasure. And we'd be going, I just love treasure hunts, man. I love it. I like to watch these shows like on Discovery where they're looking for gold or they're looking for, you know, uh, exotic things that have been lost. And then they find, I'm like, please find it. I want to I see the reaction of it, you know. Well, that's, that's what's happened here. This man says he found a hidden treasure. Uh, a, lot, a lot of times, um, even, even today in, in, in many ways, um, people would bury things um, because that was that was their safe, you know. That was there wasn't a bank or a safety deposit box kind of thing. They'd go bury it. They'd have a marker. Uh, maybe maybe rumor of war was coming, uh, or a nation was coming against them. So they'd go bury their valuables so that you know they wouldn't be stolen, wouldn't be found. Uh, maybe that person who buried it didn't tell anybody, and then they die. 
And so it's, it's hidden, no, and it's lost. Nobody knows it's lost, but it's out there, okay? Um, so the treasure in this, in this case, it says the kingdom of heaven is like a man who finds hidden treasure, okay? So let's keep in mind that the treasure is the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of heaven. It's, it's God's kingdom. And kingdom implies that there's a king, right? You can't have a king dumb if there's not a king. And if there's a kingdom, if there's a king and there's a kingdom, then there are rules, right? I mean, a kingdom's going to have rules. A king's going to have rules. And, and, and in this case, because the, king, the, the treasure is the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, Jesus is the king, and, 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 the, and the rules are the rules of the rule of God. And it's the rule of God in our hearts. It's not the rule of God in our head. It's the rule of God in our hearts. It's the rule of God governing our hearts. If it's in our mind, then it's duty and obligation. If it's, that's religion. If it's, if, it's, if it's out of our heart that we're doing this, then it's the rule of God. He has our heart. And we say, we give you our heart. We give you our all. We give you everything. God's rule over the human heart is like a box of jewels. Now, I'm, I'm not an expert in this thing, so I just wrote a few things down, like, like the gem of godliness. And that's the sense of who God is, who he really is, okay? How about the pearl of peace? That means there's no more war within. How much is that worth? I mean, I mean, how much is it worth to no longer be torn apart inside, you know, wavering? I mean, that's a priceless gift. It's the pearl of peace, the ruby of redemption, because redemption was through the blood. So ruby is red, right? I mean, uh, and, and it's set, we're set free. We're redeemed. We're set free from bondage, okay? The sapphire of the scriptures, is uh, light, food, um, uh, it, it nourishes us. The diamond of destiny, and that's our hope for our future that we have in God. I mean, it, so it's a priceless discovery, but not only that, it's a personal discovery because the scripture says that the kingdom of heaven is like a hidden treasure which a man found, okay? Notice that it was a, it's singular, a man, a person found it, okay? Uh, no one else found it. It wasn't a group of people who found it. It was one person who found it. I read uh, just a, again a few weeks ago of a guy who was out with a metal detector and all of a sudden it went off and, and because of the drought that had been taking place, like maybe it was a month and a half or two ago, but uh, water had receded in places that no one it had never receded, and his his metal detector went off, and he pulled up a stash of of silver doubloons from from the Viking era. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, and and of course they had it verified and everything. He's going through the process. This was over in the UK, and um, I mean. Just imagine when, when he dug down there and found out it wasn't a bottle cap 
or a tin can or something like that, right? That this was actual treasure. Um, it wasn't a group of people. He was the one putting forth the effort. And I think the point that Jesus is trying to say was that the kingdom of heaven is like a hidden treasure that a man found. Jesus is saying that full surrender occurs when you discover the wealth of life in God. And that can't be a group thing. I've been on group meet, uh, retreats. I've been on group, uh, in a group of people who go on a conference or something. But this is an experience that must occur at an individual level. Because you know as well as I do, how much, what was it like when, when you discovered who Jesus was? When Jesus found you? I mean, how excited were you? And how many people did you go tell and they weren't interested? And they just blew you off and you're like, you just don't, I'm not putting, I wish I had the words to explain it to you. The thing is, they, it, has to be, it has to happen at a personal level. Um, we will never, no one will ever surrender fully to God until you've made a personal discovery of God. And, and I'm going to take that a step further and say that if we ever lose that awe, we'll lose what we have. You know, I, I, I may have said this once or twice before, but um, when, I, when I moved from California after I came to know the Lord, I moved to Alabama, and we started a home group uh, for high schoolers. And it grew into a church. And, uh, in fact, that Friday night Bible study is where I met my wife. She was from the high school across town. And they started coming to that that uh, Bible study, and um, but out of that group, my after my senior year of graduating high school, there was I believe it was a total of fourteen of us that went off to Bible college together, and out of those individuals, there's only. Myself um, and two or three others that are still serving God. And the rest have fallen away. And you wonder, how could that be? And I think it's because they forgot or they lost the awe of the treasure that they had found. And so you'll never fully surrender until you've made that personal discovery. Or if maybe you didn't make that personal discovery and you're simply living off the coattails of somebody else's discovery, that eventually will wear out. And you're going to come to a place where you're going to have to have an encounter with God. So it, it's, a, it's a personal discovery. And, and um, once it becomes that, it's going to lead to a radical decision. Or maybe a radical choice, maybe would be a better way to put it. Because look what it says. And he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had. I've thought about this all afternoon. 
there's no way I would put that back in the ground. <laughs> My mind would be so concerned about somebody else finding it. Come on now, really. But he hit it again, so I got to think he must have hit it well, and he probably put it someplace different than the place that he found it because it would be easy to see somebody had been digging or, or whatever. But he hit it again, and then it says, and then in his joy, he went and sold all he had. Notice that he didn't walk off with it. How hard would that be for us? If you found a hidden treasure, man, we'd be click, 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 posting it, texting it. Oh, look what I found, you know. We would not be able to hold it back. We would just have to tell everybody in an instant. But the thing is, this wasn't ground that he owned, but he found it. And so it says he went and sold all that he had so that he was going to be able to purchase the ground where this, where this hidden treasure is. He, he recognized there was only one legitimate way to take hold of this treasure. And this is the point I want to make is that there is only one legitimate way to full surrender. And that is that it will never cost you more than you have, but it will cost you everything you have. See, God's not asking for more than you can give. He's not asking for more than is possible, but he is asking for all. The rich young ruler came to him and said, Lord, what must I do that I, 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 I be made whole? And Jesus went down all the commandments, and he said, Lord, I've kept all those since I was young, but I'm still lacking something. What do I need? And Jesus recognized the one thing. He said, he said go give all your riches away. Give all your riches to the poor. Give all your money, and then come and follow me. And it says, then the man went away sadly because he was wealthy. See, Jesus wasn't asking him to do something that he couldn't possibly do. He was just simply telling him what he needed to do, that he was able to do. And full surrender will never cost you more than you have. It will just simply cost you everything you have. If the moment that we, we start holding on or trying to make, uh, to, to, I don't want to say argue with the Lord, debate with the Lord, a bargain with God, that's a good word, yeah. <clears throat> you are at that point lacking full surrender because you're holding back. You're wanting something to hold on to. And um, so why in this case, in the parable that Jesus told, why did he go and sell everything that he had to purchase the treasure? And I'll tell you why. Because God says no rival treasures. If the kingdom of heaven is like a hidden treasure, God says there can be no other treasures that rival it. And I'm just telling you, the reason for the sale of everything that he had was because God was not, God is saying, he's not going to share your heart with anyone else or anything else. He's just not going to share it. He wants all of it. He says, love the Lord your God with 
all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, all your body, all everything, and then go after him. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, he said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That verse is misquoted probably more than almost any other verse in the Bible because it's usually quoted that where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. That may be true, but Jesus said where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Let me give an example in Genesis chapter 2, verse 22. This is where, uh, uh, Genesis 22, verse 2, excuse me. This is where Jesus, I mean, God speaks to Abraham about Isaac, his only son. And it says, then he said, God said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac. Notice that. <clears throat> why, did, why, did, why did he say your only son? Anybody remember? I heard it. Yeah, because of Ishmael, right? Remember when Abraham and Sarah decided to help God out and he went in and, and had a child by her handmaiden? And, but he was not the, the, the son of promise that God had made. And Isaac was. And so look what it says. It says, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. God goes after that one thing that you love more than anything else, and he knows what it is, and he's not bargaining. He's not going to barter for it, you know. And he says, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. I don't know. Y'all probably don't read the Bible like I do. I'm just, I, I just, in my mind when I, say, I hear this and I go, and Abraham starts out and, and he's thinking God's going to tell him which one of the mountains. He's probably going, la, 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 la. You know, you know he, he didn't want to hear it. He, he, he wants to be obedient, but he doesn't want to go, la, 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 no, 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 no. You know? And, um, but he says, take your son, your only son, the one whom you love. He goes to the very heart of where we're at. And then in verse 16 and 17 of that same chapter, God says, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will indeed bless you and I will indeed multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens and as the sand of the seashore and your descendants will possess the gate of their enemies. I mean, um, that's a powerful statement that God makes there. He said, because you did the one thing, you, you fully surrendered that which I asked. He said, this will be, then I, this is what's going to happen. And, and of course, if we understand the Bible when it says, and your descendants will possess the gate of their enemies. The gate was where the rulers of a town or a city would, 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 would sit. They would sit there and people would come to them and they would rule concerning their case or whatever. So um, when, it, when Jesus, 
later told the disciples, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He's speaking of the authority of that city, the authority of that gate, the authority of, of, of hell itself. He says, will not prevail against his church. And so when he says here, your descendants will possess the gate of their enemies. I'm thinking now, even in modern times, what's going on in Israel and what's happening and the world's turning against Israel. Even the United States is turning and trying to force them to stop what they're doing. Uh, but the Bible says that the descendants will possess the, the authority, the place of authority that the, their enemies would try and set up in their land. And um, we, we need to understand that God says, what I'll give you in full surrender is so much more than you could possibly give me. And we see this principle with God and those who are called on him throughout the scripture. Just a couple examples. Esther was willing to lose her life. Daniel, thrown in the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. You know, thrown into the fiery furnace. Stephen, death by stoning. Peter, a martyr's death. Jesus died on a cross. Total surrender. And so we have to ask ourselves from time to time, what is it going to cost us? What is it going to cost you? What is God asking for? He's not going to require, he's not going to, he's not going to demand, he's not going to force, he's not going to put your arm behind your back. He's not going to make you miserable until you give in. But I can tell you this, if God's after something, you'll be miserable until you give in. Or you'll walk away. It's just the way it is. Listen, treasures in heaven are laid up only as treasures on earth are laid down. God is, you're not taking residual treasures with you. You know, I had a cartoon one time of a hearse going by with a U-Haul trailer behind it. Two guys standing on the street corner saw it and says, they said, well, they said they can't take it all with you, but he's sure trying. Well, the scope of the sale was so great, everything that he had, and he sold everything with joy. That's the kicker. That's the thing. He sold it with joy. He didn't sell it going, man, I wish I could hold some onto some of this. He was like, he couldn't sell it fast enough to get the money that he needed to go buy the parcel of land because that's where the hidden treasure was. And he, he was all must go if he was going to enjoy that treasure. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Here it, here's the same, same phrase, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. Matthew uses that over and over again. The kingdom of heaven is this. The kingdom of heaven is this. The kingdom of heaven is this. Um, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Some people think that that means that they've got to go around in the mully grubs and you know, boudin all the time, and ooh, woe is me, and you know, that's not what it is. That's not what it's talking about. Um, the, the literal, the word, the word phrase there is bankrupt in spirit. Those who are bankrupt. Now, when you think about a bankruptcy, um, it's everything that you have is gone. 
Um, uh, but the, this poor in spirit means that the one who possesses nothing. I want you to notice something. It doesn't say own nothing, but it says possesses nothing. And maybe I'm splitting hairs a little bit right there. But it's one thing to say I own it. It's another thing to possess it. In other words, I recognize I, I own something. But possessing to me is a picture of grabbing and holding on to. In other words, I own something with a title for it. There it is. Possessing is like it's mine. I mean, God can have it if he can get it. Okay? I mean, and maybe I'm, 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 I'm but to me it's a different idea. And, and, um, it's, it's, and it's the old adage that it's not wrong to have things. It's just wrong when things have you. And that's the difference. It may be so slight, but it's, it's very, it's very thing. Do things possess you? I've, I've seen, I've experienced in my own life and I've seen in other people's lives where they would say, that's my pride and joy. I, I'd give up everything but that. That becomes an Achilles heel. That becomes an area that the enemy knows he can go after. And, um, and so we, we have to ask, are we possessed by things in our life? Are certain things like taking priority over God? Or are we willing to surrender them totally and fully to God. Um, I, won't, I, won't, I, I won't go on on that anymore. I think it's self-explanatory. And, and so that brings me to the last point, and that is full surrender to God will involve a joyful motivation. Full surrender is not beating yourself up and going, oh, I surrender. I give you, Lord, I'll be surrendered. Lord, I'm obedient. Whatever you want. That, that's not joyful motivation. In fact, that would turn people off. Um, uh, the scripture says, and when a man found it, he hid it again. Um, Je Jesus is focusing on the object that caused the joy. The treasure is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus saying he found it. Look what it says. When a man found it, he hid it again. Look at that. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought the field. So he was motivated. He was joyful by what he found. And then he was motivated in that with joy. He wasn't going, I've got to sell this. God making me sell this. I've got to give this away because God's d dealing with me about it, you know. Look, if, if that's, the Bible says God, what, loves a cheerful giver. And if you're surrendering because God's making you do it, something's wrong. That's just not what God wants. He's not interested in that. Um, the, the thing, his, his attention was focused on that which was bringing him joy. 
And notice it wasn't the land that he was buying. It was what was hid on the land. He, he wasn't going to go, I found treasure and I'm going to be a landowner. The land was like, that had nothing to do with it. it the, the parable was that the hidden treasure is what the value was on that land. And it explains how a person could give up everything that people deem of value. Because if it's joyful, if it's, if it's pleasing, if it's exciting to you, then it's not a, it's not a drudgery or, a, or a, a problem to surrender it. It's easy to give to God. Some people take um, pleasure in, in uh, worship music or social relationship. Some people take pleasure in the sense of contribution or purpose afforded them by the church. Some people take pleasure in the intellectual stimulation of sermons or Bible studies or whatever. Some people take pleasure in just the feel good of being in the Lord's presence or whatever. This man, that's not where his pleasure was. He was possessed by one thing. One thing had his heart, had his mind, everything. And he was going to do everything he could to achieve it and to get it. And his driving affection was this joy that caused him to make what seemed to be a radical decision. And what I'm telling you is that when you totally surrender to God, there will be decisions and choices that you will make. And even your church friends, your Christian friends will look at you and think you're nuts. That you've gone off the deep end. You've lost it. And I've had I've had people come to me in the past and say, Pastor, I'm worried about my sister. I'm worried about my uncle. I'm worried about my dad. I'm worried about my mom, whatever. Think they've gone off the deep end. Well, go talk some sense into them. And when I go and talk to them or sit down and talk to them, I find out that they're, they're, they're just sold out to God so much and so in love with Jesus that their whole life has been radically turned upside down and, and they're making everybody around them miserable because they're not sold out. And, um, and that's because they didn't have the revelation or the encounter that that person had had. And that's why as much as we want others to experience Jesus like you've experienced Jesus, they have to have their own encounter. They have to have that, that moment. And that's what will change their life. And that's what will keep them for the long term, the long run. You know, I, I look back at my, my own personal life, and I'm not patting myself on the back because I, I will tell you I've failed so many times. But I'm just thinking at the, we're getting ready to go into a new year. And, and, uh, in February, will mark, if the Lord gives me that long, will mark 54 years that I've been walking with the Lord. And I'm like, I'm, and, and I tried to go back and piece it together. And I just realized that I've prayed a prayer one time as a young teenager. And I've told many people this prayer. And it's a scary prayer. But I think it's the thing that's kept me going. And, 
And that prayer was, Lord, don't ever let me get comfortable. Because when we get comfortable, then we get satisfied. And when we get satisfied, we're no longer hungry. And when we're no longer hungry, then we're no longer going after him. And my wife can attest to you because next year will be our 50th anniversary. And um, (laughs) so many times when things were going good and all of a sudden opportunity would come or something would come and we'd radically just turn our lives inside out, upside down and go, Lord, we're getting too old for this. This is getting, when, when, when is this going to, you know, when is this going to settle down? When is, you know, but every step has been an adventure. Every step of it's been an adventure. We have to have that revelation. Most of us know the story of Jim Elliott. I'm not going to go into the whole story, but when he was a senior at Wheaton College, he wrote the the phrase that he's probably best known for, the quote, and that is, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Jim Elliott was later martyred for his faith as a young man. The very first time out, he was killed for his faith. And yet, years and years went by and found, later they found that the same people who had killed him had become Christians and the faith had spread through the villages. His life was but a seed planted in the ground. And you think, How could anybody ever get to that point? How could anybody ever do that? Because he had found a treasure that was greater than any treasure here on earth. And I believe that what God wants for for any of us going into this new year, should he give us those days, he just wants us to maybe take inventory in our own life and ask ourselves, have we got comfortable? Have we withheld anything from him? Do we still have the joy? Do we still have the excitement? Do we still have the motivation? Do we still see Jesus as a great treasure? I know that Jesus is the rock in our in our times of trouble or the place that we can run to and I know all of those things but if Jesus doesn't give us joy then something's wrong the joy of the Lord is our strength is what the scripture says and Christmas is about joy A new year should not be with dread, but it should be joy. What opportunities is God going to open up? What opportunities is God going to provide? What doors is he going to swing open that you don't even know about? 
And are we fully surrendered that when that opportunity provides itself that we'd be willing to go and move towards it? Just some thoughts for the coming year. So I'd like us just to take a few minutes right where you're at and just in silence right where you're at. Just ask the Holy Spirit right now to show you if there's some things, areas, whatever. If he shows you something that needs to change, then repent right there, quietly, right where you're at. Just let him know you're sorry. Ask for his forgiveness and that God, he would begin to do a work that only he can do. Father, I know you've not called us to be a people who just were hanging on in desperation. That God, that we're not hanging on to things of this world and trying to straddle the kingdom of God and this earth. For this earth is not our home, the Bible says. It is a temporary dwelling place. For you have gone, Jesus, to prepare a place for us in your Father's house. And one day a trumpet will sound and you are coming back to take us to be with you. But until that day comes, Lord, help us to see you as the hidden treasure that's in our lives. That the excitement still burns. The excitement is still alive. That, that your name and opportunities to spend time with you stir our hearts Father, the psalmist said, my heart, my heart. Search our hearts. Search our hearts, oh God. This night and in the next few days, in the coming year, Search our hearts, Lord. What changes need to be made? What directional changes need to be made? What positional changes need to be made? What personal changes need to be made to put us back on the track or keep us on the track? Creating us a clean heart, oh God. And renew a right spirit within us. That's our prayer. Create in us a new heart, oh God. And renew a right spirit. A spirit filled with awe and wonder at who you are. For God, the assignments are even now being doled out from heaven's throne for your people, for your church. And there is a transformation that is about to take place 
in our midst and around us because your church is hearing and putting themselves in place to be used of you, Lord God. The church, the body of Christ is waking up. So renew a right spirit, a right heart, right mind. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. 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 Is there anyone that needs prayer tonight for anything? Unspoken. When a couple of you just turn and just lay hands on Marty. When the Bible says wherever two or three agree touching any one thing, well, I just believe we should touch one. Reach out and just in agreement. Father, the need may be unspoken, but I guarantee you the cry has already gone before your throne and you have heard it. We just pray that God, you would just intervene in a mighty and powerful way. You know the heart and the heart cry, and we simply agree that your purpose and plan be brought forth and worked through it, Father. In the name of Jesus. God, it's, it's, it's tough times when we, we feel like we're in the pit and we can't get out. And we look up and we're saying, where are you, God? But there you are. You're right there beside us, Lord. And through it all, you said that you'll work all things together for the good of them who love you and are called according to your purpose. And therefore, God, all conditions have been met in her regard, for she loves you and she's been called according to your purpose. Therefore, God, there is a reason. And we pray that, God, you bring it about and make it clear give understanding, give wisdom, give patience, Lord God, and mercy and grace. That you would receive the glory. So often we want, we want, we pray because we want relief, but God, what we really want is you to get the glory. And so we pray for that right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <clears throat> um, I'd like to ask prayer for a friend. Uh, we learned just a couple hours ago, anyone who's taken Lassam in the past knows Dr. Uh, Roger Myers and Lily Myers. They're, um, they've retired so many times from the ministry. It's, he's been a president of Bible College and Anyway, Lily fell. They live over in the Plaquemine, and uh, she fell and broke her hip uh, a few hours ago, and she's going to be going in for surgery in the morning. And um, this is, is this is hard for them. So I just like us to pray for Lily Myers, uh, Father. I thank you that you're able to heal, and I pray, Lord God, right now for the medical staff and those that are involved in what they're going to do and bringing and about that uh, hip back together but God I thank you that there will be a, a supernatural healing that will take place in her body 
and will be a witness to so many people, Lord God, of, of your presence and your power and your ability to hear our prayers and move on, on the behalf of those who are called according to your purpose, Lord. God, if you know when the sparrows fall, you know when your people fall and you're able to bring about healing for them in the name of Jesus. And I pray for Roger, that God, that you put his mind at rest and that God, that it would be those who would come around them both and be able to minister to them in their time of need. For they have sown and they have been faithful for decades of ministry, Lord. And we praise you for it. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Now I pray your blessing upon each and every one here as they leave. God, let your spirit go with them. The presence of God just rest upon them. Give their physical bodies and minds rest. And that, Father, wherever they go, let the favor of the Lord go before them. That they might have that favor for the purpose of your kingdom and telling people about Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Yes? You need prayer for your twins? All right. Yup. of you go over there and agree with